chapter 6 of John's Gospel is often referred to among scripture students and scholars as the bread of life discourse. It has 71 verses and contains some of the most significant teachings in Jesus' ministry. It has long been the subject of reflections, writings, preaching, and discussion on the theology of Eucharist. Beginning today and for the next four Sundays, we will read the entire chapter as our gospel text. It begins with today's passage and John's version of the feeding of the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish that belong to a little boy. Only John mentions the little boy. The conclusion of the story adds to this amazement of multiplication of the loaves and the fish. Twelve baskets are collected. Twelve baskets of fragments. There is, of course, to our ear an obvious connection with the story of the prophet Elisha in the first reading for today, who, at God's command, must feed a hundred people with twenty barley loaves. And like the disciples in John's Gospel, Elisha's servant protests that that would never be enough. But the loaves are distributed, and sure enough, there is some left over, just as God said. And so the actions of Jesus, as recorded by John, stand in that tradition of the prophet and of God's desire to take care of the hunger of all who are in need. For Jesus, mealtimes were an event. As one scripture commentator said, Jesus pretty much ate his way across Palestine. And if he wasn't invited to dinner, he invited himself. And at those times, some of his significant teachings took place. Zacchaeus, the home of Simon the Pharisee, the table at Emmaus, the wedding feast of Canaan, plus the many parables about wedding feasts and, of course, the Last Supper. The meal for Jesus was more than a meal. It was an experience, an experience of community, of gratitude, and mission. For him, it was never static. It was never just for its own sake. It was never about just being fed. It was always about being transformed. We are always conscious of being hungry. It's probably one of the most common denominators that we have. We're always, or almost always, hungry. 
but not just in life, but for life. It is the hunger for life that brings us back here to this table over and over again. It was, if it was only a hunger in life, any table would do. And we have many of those, and they are necessary. But here at this table, something greater unfolds. Here we remember that we belong to that much larger community, and by virtue of that identity, we take considerable responsibility for the other members of that community, those who are present and those who are not. We may come to the table alone, but we do not eat alone, nor do we eat for ourselves alone. Here we remember what Paul said to the Ephesians today, that we are one body, one spirit in God, who is over and in us all. Here we remember that it is first and always God who feeds us, and the posture of thanksgiving is never exhausted. Here we remember that the fragments of life, ours and those of all of the others in God's world, are mysteriously collected and placed on the table through the elements of bread and wine, the fruits of the harvest. Our sacrifices, our pains, our moments of hope and joy, our struggles and our dreams, our loneliness and our relationships. All of these are given over to the Lord who returns them as his own body, as his own promise that we are deeply loved and always cared for. Just as in life, those who feed us willingly and voluntarily, so the Lord gladly and generously offers us food for living. And not just food, but the wisdom of his teachings and the gestures of his healing. And we know that when we consume the body and blood of the Lord, we not only consume the elements of communion, we accept and commit to being in a loving relationship with those who are here and those we have yet to meet. In all of those other encounters that we might name the communions of life. When we read this account, and it appears in all four Gospels and twice in Mark, we might suppose that the miracle is the multiplication of the feeding of the 5,000. But there's a second miracle hidden in this story. Gather the fragments left over so that nothing will be lost. It is the miracle of the fragments. Jesus' ministry was one of taking care of those who were left out or left behind, those who were often discarded, overlooked, and broken, seeking to be made whole again. But everyone was important in the kingdom of God. Jesus knows 
what lies within. There is a feast yet to be realized in the fragments. Jesus knows the secret of the scraps. I have long wondered, what did they do with the twelve baskets full of scraps? Or the seven baskets in one of the other stories? Where did they put them? Did each of the twelve apostles take home a basket of scraps? And how many were fed with that? The miracle of the fragments, the secret of the scraps. As we leave this Eucharistic feast, we are once again satisfied and grateful. But we take with us the other liturgical pieces of our time together here, the scraps of the word we've heard, because none of us will remember all three readings word for word. And so we take a scrap of the word. The scraps of healing and hospitality that we have exchanged. Of pardon and peace that we have received. These scraps become the Eucharistic feast of our lives. Thank you.